and welcome to the latest Science of Sport podcast. I'm your host Matt Solomon and today I'm delighted to be joined by the guys from School of Calisthenics. So that is Tim Stevenson and David Jacko Jackson. This podcast is brought to you by Hawking Dynamics, the world leader in innovative force plate technology. Hawking Dynamics takes a user-centric approach featuring a fully customizable cloud-based software that allows users to easily digest and analyze complex force plate data. The technology is constantly evolving, much like an app update for your iPhone. They communicate with users on a daily basis to make their system better. In addition to all of that, they also offer some of the most competitive prices for bilateral force plates on the market. And they're the only force plate company offering a completely wireless system. So, if you want to find out more, check out their easy intro to force plate section at www.hawkingdynamics.com forward slash blog. And without further ado, it's time to welcome them onto the show. So, School of Calisthenics, welcome to the Science of Sport podcast. It is an absolute pleasure to have you guys here. Thank you very much for the invitation. We're excited. Yeah, thanks for having us. It is my pleasure. So, could you give us a quick introduction as to who you are and what you've been up to until now? Uh, yeah, I can go first. My name is Tim Stevenson. Um, we, Jacko and I, um, started the School of Calisthenics about five years ago. Um, prior to that, and I still am an existing strength and conditioning coach, been in the industry for over 12 years now, um, working predominantly within Paralympic sports. Uh, and we kind of stumbled our way into calisthenics, basically looking for some fun stuff to do in the gym and some new ideas for uh, to use with the athletes that we were training at the time um, and also for me to fix a, re- a regularly dislocating shoulder. Um, I thought that if I could learn to handstand then that would be a good idea um, in terms of shoulder stability and that took us down the route into developing the School of Calisthenics. Yeah and I'm uh, Jacko or David Jackson is official official name. Um, Former professional rugby player, I retired from a head injury back in 2013, which was uh, teamed up with Tim, retrained as a strength and conditioning coach, worked alongside him within the Paralympic sport. And um, yeah, as he said, stumbled into calisthenics. I certainly was looking for something different with my own training to do to re-motivate myself to get back into training, which was something I always thought I would love to do when I finished playing rugby. But um, lacked motivation once I'd recovered from a head injury uh, just doing the same old thing so it was a, a case of less bicep curls more playing around in the gym <laughs> uh, there's nothing wrong with bicep curls mate <laughs> <laughs> so um in terms of calisthenics right uh what does that refer to so start, start at the beginning what, what is it and why is it important uh, well, it originally comes from two Greek words, kalos and sthenos, which means beauty and strength. Um, and effectively, it, it, it refers to, well, in our, in our mind today, it refers to progressive bodyweight exercises. Um, we're trying to move beautifully strong all the time. And, and a big part of calisthenics for us represents in play. Exploring your physical potential through movement, strength and play is kind of our, our real kind of headline statement on it. Um, and we also talk a little bit about redefining impossible, the opportunity to do things which look like they're going to be out of your reach, like a human flag or a muscle up or a handstand so those are kind of like the iconic picking pins that people want to often work towards but it, it also covers everything from pull-ups push-ups dips and, and the variations of um and you, if you imagine that you've got that, that kind of like foundation work of you can do a pull-up we'll then take that into archer pull-ups or typewriters or, or various different progressions and, and um 
Yeah, one thing that we really like about it is it, it gives you the opportunity to explore what your body can do. We we think that in in particularly in in sport and a lot of movement practices, people get very comfortable and used to moving in a sagittal plane, and we don't actually explore the different ways your body can move. And, and calisthenics for us opens up a massive opportunity just to go and have fun, moving in different ways, building more robust strength, and and just yeah, diversity in your athletic profile. Let's say. And when we look at uh, that kind of uh, application as such, then what what are the different ways that we can load those movements? Because I think a lot of people get stuck with, okay, I've done push-ups now, um, or press-ups, I can do 20. Um, doing 30 press-ups is, is probably boring. So how can we use different uh, levers, for example, or different uh, different loading mechanisms to overload movements in calisthenics? Yeah, well, I think... Um I just chip in on this one that the as I mentioned with my own like journey into it, it was I was bored of doing the same thing in the gym and one of the nice things about calisthenics is we have to be a little bit creative with how we provide those overloads yes yeah, sure you can go for more repetitions simply or you could go for grab a weighted belt or a weight vest and you can do progressive overload with weight but that's just how you normally overload um, like your barbell work for example Whereas it gets a little bit more interesting, more creative, and you learn more about your body when you try and go into different positions, ranges of motion, different body angles. Um, and that's where, as Tim was saying, we, we're developing like robustness and resilience around our joints by not just staying in, in one standard sort of position, which might be sagittal plane. We're able to go, right, can I, can I change my movement? Can I go like this? Can I, can I change my body angle? And how's that going to affect the, the force requirement I'm going to need um, at the joints and it and it works sort of both ways in that a we can do this to make something progressively harder but a lot of the time one of the best things you need to be able to do is the thing you're trying to do or the next progression you're going towards is potentially too difficult and so you need ways to also make it slightly easier to be able to have this like ladder of of, of progression but also regression by changing the training environment and your body positions uh, the angles that you're moving through the ranges of motion that you go in um to to challenge that to challenge that overload and at the same time not just getting stronger but as tim mentioned getting more robustness about your movement patterns more movement options i think we would use a lot of normal strength and conditioning principles as well like we have something we call our locker which is effectively how we do the things that jacko is referring to and these are tools that we will use in in, in overloading or, or regressing and progressing bodyweight patterns. And, and that's the, the same thing of using isometrics, eccentrics. We use weighted work if we want to go put a weight vest on or or um, a weight belt. We'll have the, the big one that we often play around with is levers and angles. So the range of movement that we're moving through or the lever length, it makes a massive difference. If you're trying to do something like a, a handstand, for example, we can work in tuck positions just so you're not having to kind of manage such a long lever, which then makes the, 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 the skill more difficult. So it's constantly just adapting a little bit in different ways rather than thinking, can I put more weight on or take weight off? We just we, we play around with it a little bit um, differently. And stability is another one. Can we create more, more stability in the, in the movement to, to create, uh, to make it easier? Um, so, yeah, very, very kind of like standard training principles, really. Um, and, and it's, it's an effective way. And I think to, to one point, we'll often go back to you said, people can do 20 push-ups and like, all right, now I've earned the right to go and do a bench press. Well, we can take somebody who can do 120 kilo bench press and we'll make them look weak in a body weight progression because you just all of a sudden change the environment and you've got absolutely nothing. And you can argue there's a skill progression there and it's a specific strength. But I don't think that's a reason to discount it entirely. It's when we're talking about athleticism and, and 
like real strength development. I think you've uh, you've almost read our next question, so you've led us in perfectly to that. That's uh, that's excellent. Um, so, in terms of like the practical applications, how how can we then apply that to uh, athletic populations, and how can we use our our period? Maybe we were in lockdown, um, or maybe you're just in a general prep phase. How can we use that to get bigger and stronger? Um, with the, with the athletic populations bit, and I'll, I'll let Jacko pick up on a bit around um, the sort of the lockdown phase um, and, and how we can utilise that. It, it definitely fits within that general preparation type um, phase of training where we are looking for improvement of just our fundamental um, uh, motor abilities. For example, if we want to, if we want to term it around that. So, we, if we say that we if, uh, take the swimming population that we've done a lot of work with during that early season, we might might use a lot of calisthenics movements for the purposes of improving shoulder stability for example we, we do a lot of work around what we t- what we call about bomb proof shoulders but the effects and the benefits of closed kinetic chain training for the upper body is going to help us to improve robustness and performance of the shoulder joint um i think there's a massive opportunity there for people to to really understand how to scale shoulder stability in line with strength development and we know that ultimately if we want to improve force overhead in a, in a pressing pattern or whatever it might be throwing patterns if we can improve the stability component we're going to get more force but i think as strength and condition coaches and practitioners we often lack tools to really scale stability we we kind of like warm up with a 1.25 kilo scaption or a cable scaption but then we still want to go and press 80 kilos overhead in a, in a military press or and then that might become 85 but we're still warming up with a relatively low intensity exercise so how do we go and actually scale intensity to match the strength gains that we want in 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 stability i mean because if we've got a mismatch there and we know if we've got a mismatch in mobility and stability then we're going to see a compromise in strength so when we want force output we've got to start to under understand how we can use this different methods to scale the fundamental chassis effectively so you can put a bigger engine in it um so we do a lot around that with with the benefit for calisthenics in, in upper body training um i mean i've done a lot with work with with wheelchair racers and it's a very we can use calisthenics in a very specific pattern because we're also getting the integration of the shoulder into the rest of the kinetic chain so if we if we use some kind of planche type progressions with the wheelchair racers it puts them in exactly the same push position that they're in when they're when they're racing in the chairs um but they're also having to control shoulder joint and the spine through to the pelvis depending on the level of impairment um, to hold that pattern and then therefore we're talking about a more efficient transfer of forces from proximal to distal components so i just think there's so much in it where we look at it and go okay it looks like fancy cool stuff but you start breaking it down and going well there's massive opportunity here if we think about that closed kinetic chain environment and also transfer of forces through the system and those are things that we don't always get when we're typically looking at a bench press or a bench pull or something like that so it's it's not to say that we, we never say this is the golden like ticket and the magic bullet it's something which you can use to enhance training at the right phases of a season within a periodized plan. Um, and we've seen great, great impacts and effects with it. Yeah. And in terms of being in like being in lockdown or, you know, the gyms are closed. If, if that's, if that's your situation, it's uh, rather than looking at it as a point of view of going, oh, how restricted we are with it. We can take it as an opportunity, the same way injuries can be great opportunities to upgrade other aspects of our training. Like, let's use this time to, to challenge ourselves in, in different ways. So some of that's going to be um, just in, in how I talked about that creativity. Einstein said play is the highest form of research. We can, with, our, with some of the body weight calisthenics stuff that we're doing when you're at home, okay, we can't, you might not have any additional load that you can use. You haven't got any equipment. 
So what can you do that's going to um, that's going to challenge how you're moving, build that robustness um, and, and, and have some have some fun playing with it when you're trying to do something new. The brain is really engaged. So you're trying to do like a brand new, you know, say yourself, you set yourself the goal, you're going to try and do a handstand because um, it's going to be good for your overhead stability, your shoulder range of motion, et cetera. You go, great. I've got to start with, I've got an outcome. I've got a reason I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Actually, it, it excites me to do that. So I'm, I'm enjoying my training. We don't have to be so strict and rigid, which gives us a bit of freedom in terms of going, what's the perfect number of reps and sets that you need to do for this? It's, some of it is going to be, individual and you want you to sort of play with it and your brain's going to tell you when it's had a little bit too much of this brand new sort of neural stimulation um, of trying to use your fingers uh, like your toes to balance as, as that sort of specific example and you know when we're when we're training in a new way to learn a new like motor skill we're, we're, we're forming new connections in in the brain and that's something that how often do we do that as adults and how is that going to potentially help you with other movement patterns that you're going to try and develop? And equally, you might not be able to squat heavy because you literally don't have any um, any weights. But what if you start to challenge the additional range that you could potentially have at the hips, at the ankles, via some single leg squat progressions into some you know some really challenging movements like not just a pistol but a dragon pistol, where we're literally taking the, the our other leg behind the body really challenging ourselves in terms of strength at these end range positions, which is going to build us robustness in, in shapes that we're potentially not that used to, but in a sport that might be more a little bit, you know, a field sport where it might be a little bit more chaotic or you can't completely control in every stride that you take that your perfect knee position. Can we build some robustness with some low level body weight stuff during this period? This podcast is also brought to you by Flex. Flex is the latest product to enter the velocity-based training market developed by the team at Gymware. Flex is the only laser-based training system available and it's this unique technology that makes Flex the most accurate and reliable barbell tracking product in the sub-500 US dollar category. It's wireless, portable and it's super user-friendly. Find out why VBT is such a powerful training method and what separates Flex from the competition at flexstronger.com. I think uh, generally speaking, people can definitely do that. So it's, uh, it's an absolutely fantastic message that there's, there's more options out there. Um, and I hope at the moment, at least a year after we've, uh, we've been dealing with this, that some people have kind of caught on to that. But I think you've given some fantastic examples as to how specifically they might do it. Um, and in terms of going through a progression, can you guys take us through then, uh, take an exercise that you, that you uh, really like or really enjoy? Um, can you take us through a progression from someone who's uh, like me, um, not good at using their body weight, but like you said, could probably bench press, but not do a, a ton of, uh, of amazing body weight stuff uh, all the way through to someone who then uh, might be an expert or maybe like a, a really high level mover. Yeah, we'll take the handstand as an example because it's one that I, I, knew, think... I knew it would be that. <laughs> I was going to suggest if you weren't going to give it to me else. Because it is, it's great. It's like it's accessible, isn't it, for people? I want to see you try this, Matthew. Oh, you know, mate, to... don't, 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 don't. I'm just yeah, going to yeah. put my foot through the wall. My neighbours are going to be furious. Fire. My miss, oh, the, the dog's going to come running and Get jump her to do it as well. She'll love it. She'll be better than you, probably. <laughs> She'll be good for your relationship. Almost, almost certainly, but it certainly won't be good for my relationship, mate. I can barely make a train. <laughs> 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 she, she won't listen. I'm safe. I'm safe. She's all right. She's upstairs. <laughs> 
we can if we take a handstand because i think it's a skill that i i'm an advocate of people learning all athletes because i think it's an athleticism um a skill to, to go through that process of learning to balance on your hands and we uh, we can get a little bit geeky on it in terms of what is it going to do for you if you're into super into olympic weightlifting like is having more stability more um proprioception more awareness around body position of your shoulder going to help you catch a heavy barbell overhead well i can't prove it through research yet because it's not being done but my guess is yes especially when we start looking into the science of brain maps and where the brain is actually or the, our joint position sense and and doing something like a handstand is actually going to be, be quite effective so in terms of the progression we will always start with can you just go into a frog stand position. So hands on the ground and balance your knees on your elbows and take your feet off the ground. Now, if you look at it from a, a real simple perspective, that'd be the first balancing point. But if we take what we know about sort of motor learning, we can teach anybody to do that because we just need to take that progression of what can you currently do? What does your system currently know how to do? Well, everyone knows how to crawl because we managed to get up off our backs when we were babies. So we can hold Most people, most can hold a crawling base, a decent crawling base shape. Well, can you do a push up? If you can do a push up, all I now need to do is get you to move your feet closer towards your hands and decrease your base of support. And now I'm going to try and get you to balance. But your shoulders and your hands are effectively in exactly the same position as they were in a, in a push-up position. So if we can then hold and, and make maintain balance in a, in a frog stand, could I potentially get you to take one knee off? So now I'm just going to decrease the base of support. So you need a little bit more stability and a little bit more isometric strength. We might then move this if a strength progression for a handstand that we use is a frog stand to handstand. So imagine you're in this tuck ball position, hands on the ground, feet off the floor with your knees balancing or, or resting on top of your elbows. We then want to see if you can push out of that position into a tuck handstand. So you're going to use a lot of shoulder tricep strength. It's effectively like doing a, a kind of a quite a high intensity scaption because your hand is fixed and you're going to use that shoulder flexion. But because the hand is fixed on the floor, the hips are going to move around on top of the, the shoulders. So now you're in a tuck handstand position. Well, if you can get there, can we now give you the skills and the, and the awareness to be able to straighten your legs and, and, and hold a handstand? It's a real strength based movement, but we will always start it from well, what do you currently know? And then we're going to scale it from there. And that's a strength-based progression. If someone just wants to learn a handstand without the strength bit, well, you can just do it on straight arms. And you don't need to be that strong to do a handstand. You just need to go through the skill acquisition process of effectively understanding the motor patterns of stabilizing and correcting the, the, the balance position um, and, and transferring the forces through the chain. So it takes time because it's a, it's a complex, uh, well, it's a difficult skill to learn. Um, but it's calisthenics is not that, if you break it down into into the, the, the easier or the, the fundamental progressions and just earn the right to move through those progressions it's not difficult you've just got to put a little bit of time into it and it's um and the, the reward of being able to balance in your hands is it's just a fun thing to be able to do so we, we we as jacko said at the beginning we really think about play as being an important part of an athletic training program because take a sport like swimming or, or a real repetitive thing there's not that much variety it's quite monotonous and they, they're often going through the same patterns over and over so can we use the strength and conditioning program or an athleticism type physical training um, session to just give the guys the opportunity to play with some movement um, and, and just do something different and freshen things up and I think you can't if you get a group of people and they're, they're interested in training uh, they just they go mad for handstands because it's it's just a fun thing to play around with to try and do. They like that sort of stuff. They challenge them in different ways. When you were, when you're talking through that, I was going to say to to I was going to go, and that's week one, that's session one. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you, you tied it well. So it takes time. It's a bit like you know when you take someone, you know, not only is it fun, but 
the first time you get someone to do maybe like some overhead pressing with a, an inverted kettlebell upside down and that instability is like, oh, and there's it's all that shaking going on. Then maybe in the session it reduces down or after literally one week, it's like a ton better. You, it, it, it's giving us inputs like that. Um, that's building that, as Tim said, you know, t- since Tim's done it before I knew him, he dislocated your shoulder more times than you could remember. And, you know, I didn't know him b- back back then. But since then, he's never dislocated his shoulder. So it's difficult for me to even, like in my head, I'm like, well, his shoulder's just fine. Like, I've never, because I've never seen it happen. Uh, I've seen other people at rugby dislocate their shoulder and it is fairly um, disgusting. <laughs> holding <laughs> some, nice, mate. Yeah, I remember holding some gas up for one of the lads while someone else was holding a dot trying to put his shoulder in it. it was, <gasps> uh, not nice. <laughs> mate, that does not sound fun at all. <laughs> <laughs> In terms of uh, in terms of that timeline, right? So um, if you if you're going to convince me to do it, right? I'm I'm not the most uh, athletic in terms of calisthenics. I've got uh, an all right amount of upper body strength. Um, how long should it be taking people? I've got the best answer, Tim, for this. Well, you ready? Do you want to know how long it takes? It doesn't matter. <laughs> Even better. I've never answered that, that before, but that is the best answer. It doesn't matter. It literally doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter if you never make it to a full handstand, like balancing for however long you want to balance it for. What matters is what is your what are you going to learn about your body along the way, and what development in terms of your um, flexibility, your mobility, your stability, your strength. Like, and it, it's sort of the answer no one wants, but it isn't sixteen weeks or ten weeks or three weeks. Like it will be. It will just. It will be what it will be. Um, how long it takes it's going to massively vary from one person to the next. But I think that when we, with something where there's a complete outcome like that as a handstand, when we focus too much on how long and the end point, we actually lose a lot of, like by not focusing on the process, we lose, we lose a lot of the, like the progression and the learning that we're going to go through. Um, and I understand that, like, I'm the same with things that I'm trying to learn. Like, oh, how long is it going to take? Like, it, it's the natural thing to do, but try to leave that to one side and just embrace the uh, embrace the process of it. Mate, absolutely excellent advice. So uh, before we leave and before you get too philosophical between... No, that's all right, mate, it's all right. Um, uh, well, I want to ask the most difficult thing that I can imagine. So what is the one thing that you see or do differently which the rest of the world can learn from? I, I went, yeah, that's a, that's a big question because it's, um, what do we do differently? I, I, I think there's, there's a, I wouldn't like to put us up as like the unique example of what I'm going to put forward because there's a lot of people who do a lot of good stuff. I guess it's what's, what's, what do we think is unique as the way that we see movement and the, and the world, um, play is probably an important one i don't see a lot of play and if we're talking about snc and physical training i can sometimes see a lot of boring training programs that's not the case with with youth athletes but just because we've got somebody over the age of 18 who's on an olympic pathway or paralympic pathway doesn't mean that they all of a sudden don't get to have fun with their training so and i think the, the, the development of exploration of of yourself and your movement capacities is equally as important of what can you do but also identifying what you can't do that you need to know what your weak links are so that you can then actually strengthen them and become a better athlete as a result of, of actually identifying your um your areas for development um and i think the other thing is that we probably uh, we i don't think it's unique or different but something for us that we see 
in the world is is the complexity of human movement and embracing um the actually taking a kinetic chain approach to to movement um and strength development and and probably thinking about it quite holistically um in my experience the industry we kind of like hold strength up there as like the golden chalice and we just need to get stronger and that's going to help everything um I think we can definitely enhance that, as I mentioned before, by just getting more stable, but we need more tools. We, we don't do stability in the upper body well. Um, and I think the research around that area as well, if you look at the majority of journal um, journals, they'll probably often have the majority of stuff done on the lower body. It's easier to test, and that's a focus area for a lot of people. The shoulder isn't as well researched, and I think that's an area where we can probably offer something a little bit different of, of just because we've been there, tried it, and I've come from a place of having two shoulder reconstructions, and now I can do a human flag, cold, no warm-up any day of the week. That's not boasting, but there's some, some things happened, and people have reported similar things back to us of going, when I do calisthenics, my shoulders feel amazing. When I stop, they get worse. I'm like, okay, well, that's telling us something, that this kind of training is good for the shoulder um, complex. I think uh, just to add that, there's probably one thing that because we literally have come from multiple injuries from playing rugby and no gymnastics experience at all, we're able, we've had to go through the process of like breaking this down for literally what, how do you teach someone that has never done this before and, you know, has either dislocated the shoulder or I've got separated AC and broke my scapula in two places as, as one of my old rugby injuries. How do you, how do you do some of this stuff that's actually sort of, I call it poor man's gymnastics sometimes. Like it, there's no leotard and, and, and pointed toes, but we, because we've had to go through that, we will, we break it down and, and you can start this with, you don't have to have had any sort of experience in gymnastics or that style of training to be able to get on board with using some of these, some of these things and getting some of the benefits that we're seeing, whether it's with, for yourself or whether it's with the athletes that you're working with. Guys, absolutely fantastic. So just before you leave, can you give us uh, where we can find some more information about you and, uh, and what you're up to? Yep. So we're School of Calisthenics um, on dot com is our web address. You can find us School of Calisthenics on, on all social platforms or Instagram um, is where we're, we're pretty active. Um, and if you want to, yeah, if you go onto our website and you want some training programs and some more advice of how to get started, we've got a massive online library. Um, so if you, if you find the link for our virtual classroom or you can go direct to it, it's classroom.schoolofcalisthenics.com. And that'll open up a, a load of stuff in there, which has got movement specifics. It's got absolute basics, but it's also got a section which what we call strength and play so if you're looking for, if you've got a group of athletes for example who can do pull-ups and dips but you want to bring some variety and a challenge and think about some of the stuff that we've talked about today um, there's loads of different progressions and, and ideas and just different ways to get people to move within that as well so that's probably the best way to find it have i got them all jacko oh we've got a podcast uh, as well yeah we've, we've got yeah we've got if you're if you like a podcast we've got our own podcast which is just recently renamed uh, to the movement strength and play podcast by the school calisthenics rather than the school calisthenics podcast. Hosted by Tim and Jacko. It's a long title, but it's... <laughs> it's catchy. The podcast formerly known as the school calisthenics <laughs> But uh, the key message there is not to stop listening to this podcast, of course, right? So that's... that's <laughs> yeah. I, I think that they are equally complementary, actually. You could, you could definitely smash out both in one day. That's a good, a yeah, good they're, message. They're definitely my two favourite podcasts. <laughs> Excellent. So guys, thank you very much for your time today. It's been a pleasure. Cheers. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks to Tim and Jacko for all of their hard work in today's podcast. I really appreciate it, and I'm sure you do at home too. Before you leave, be sure to check out our free download of the Performance Digest. 
That is 19 of the latest sports science articles reviewed and delivered to you. So, if you're tired of investing loads of extra time staying up to date with all the latest scientific literature, the Performance Digest is perfect as it allows you to read 19 of the most interesting articles over the last month, which have been broken down into easy bite-sized chunks by our crack team of reviewers. So if you're interested in picking up your free copy, check out the link in the show notes. And of course, be sure to hit the subscribe button if you've enjoyed today's podcast. We're doing our best to bring you the best possible podcast guests from all over the world of sports science. So if you've enjoyed it, hit the subscribe button and we'll be sure to bring you the best possible people in the coming weeks. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks from me. I'm Matt Solomon for Science of Sport and I'll speak to you next week.